0: Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast. My name is Mike Navina, and thanks for hanging out with me today. Today, my guest is Chris Lyon, and if you're not familiar with Chris, Chris is a producer and songwriter based out of Los Angeles. He's worked with artists such as the Chainsmokers, Carly Rae Jepsen, Phoebe Ryan, and a whole bunch more. He primarily works in the pop music industry, but I wanted to have him come on here today because... You know, he's working with some really big artists, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the songwriting process and what people who do this for a living are doing to write songs faster and better. Because, you know, as we'll talk about in this interview, there are a lot of musicians who just take forever to write songs. They don't really know, you know, where to start, how to finish a song. And because of that, things take forever to get finished, if at all. And then there's a guy like Chris who is literally writing like five songs a week and working with new artists every day and making songs out of thin air. And he's doing it successfully. So, you know, what separates someone like him versus your average musician who takes forever to write music? So that's why I brought Chris on today. And we have a really great chat all about the process of writing and some of the um you know, quote unquote rules of writing and understanding songwriting formulas and also just how to break into the industry as a songwriter, too, because there are a lot of musicians listening to this who want to write songs professionally, but just don't know where to start. So Chris definitely knows a thing or two about that. So that's definitely something that we cover in this episode here. So with that said, let's just jump right into it. Chris Lyon, thank you so much for being on the Master Your Mix podcast. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Of course. Of course. For people who might not be familiar with you or your background and all the stuff that you're working on these days, can you give us that story about who you are, what you do, and ultimately how you got into it? Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Um, Where should I start? Where I got into it or what I do? <laughs> well, easier you. where'd you start? Like, I'm assuming you're a musician yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started as a drummer, which I think most, uh, a lot of producers start as drummers, which is interesting. That's a whole conversation to be had. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was drumming uh, all throughout, you know, Elementary school to high school, to college, so playing in bands, that sort of thing i I always loved music. I wanted to be in a band. I thought the only way to be successful was to be uh in a band and get signed by a label, and like that was the way to be in music. Like I never thought really about producing or songwriting. I don't think I knew about it, to be honest, when I was a kid, so um definitely found my way into this uh along the way, not not necessarily as a goal. It's kind of funny because, like, when you
0: start in a band, you're just like you're writing songs, and you're not even thinking that it's like a career that like can go beyond that room, right?
1: Yeah, 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 totally. You're writing songs and you're playing shows, and then you're like, "Well, it'd be nice to record these songs so we could just like share them on MySpace or something." And then so like we were just figuring that out on our own, or I was mostly, and they sounded terrible at first, but like eventually, if you you either fall in love with that process or you don't. But like I loved it, like I. I remember my parents got an iMac for like the family computer one year and it had GarageBand on it. And I spent like all that time I was spending after school drumming. I, I started like just playing with loops, recording little MIDI uh, instrument ideas, and then eventually getting like a little M box and, and recording instruments. And uh, yeah, it was just like captivated my attention. Uh, nice. At some point in high school, it just took over my life. So yeah. And were you all self taught when it came
0: to the production side of things or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really didn't, I mean, I'm a little, I don't want to age myself, but like there weren't as many resources online that I knew of at the time. I didn't know that like, I mean, I I think I had read a book or something. I got bought a book about it, but like it was all dated information and you'd go to Guitar Center and try to ask like what you need to record and they're selling mixers and stuff and you're <laughs>
0: like you just a, a lot of misinformation along console. the way yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly you need a little uh Mackie mixer so you can mix your drum mics you got to buy this preset drum mic setup, and oh my god poor parents trying to navigate this uh oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh I mean so it definitely all self-taught uh at that at that time I mean now I'm I feel like I'm taught by experience but also from like coworkers workers and collaborating and stuff but uh, more than anything or podcasts like this yeah, of course. Um, just taught by passion. I think the people who like really become producers are like so obsessed with it and passionate about it. It has to kind of become an obsession to, for you to get great at it. Cause you need to be, you need the experience. You just need to try things. You need to experiment. Um, so little tangent, but yeah. Uh, so along the way, uh, I, I went to school and I, I wanted to go to school for, for, uh, music, but I didn't like fully commit to it. I wanted to stay close to home. So I I went to university of Maryland and they had an audio technology program at the time. Uh, and then they shut it down my freshman year. So I had to pivot and I was still recording bands and like in bands and doing that thing, but I switched to like creative writing. Um, and I thought i would be maybe like an author or a screenwriter. So, uh, this is going to be a big tangent, but it comes back around. (laughs) Um, I went off to LA or where I live now And uh, for a summer, and I worked for Warner Brothers as a script reader. uh, And that was amazing. Had a great time. And in that, I met a producer for MTV, just so random. Uh, He didn't even work at MTV. He worked at a production company, and they had shows on MTV. And I just threw out this idea, like, hey, man, reality shows. And I was like, you should, you guys should make a reality show that's, like, same format but following a band. Like, bring music back. And uh, he was like, that sounds sick. You should go make it and bring it to me. So I took that seriously and I went and spent the next year of my life trying to make like a sizzle reel for this theoretical reality tv show that follows a band and in that process I found a band it was like the perfect timing they signed a like production deal with the big producer from the area um Mitch Allen and he's the nicest dude and we got to go in the studio and I filmed it all got to talk to him so much and like then we had to do the tour, we had to do the label meetings, we had to all, all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, but I really liked the studio part of this. Like I didn't care much for the touring and for, for all the other aspects. And I had already done small little tours and bands and I never loved it. So it was definitely like just beating in the idea that like, oh, I love being in the studio. And when it came time to like making a reality television show and editing it, I was like, Oh, I I don't like reality TV. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't do a good job documenting like relationship drama and stuff that was maybe more important to a reality show and i was basically making a documentary of a band uh, trying and just not succeeding at uh or pivoting into other things you know people growing up and moving on to different things and so it was it was such a great experience in that i met a ton of people that inspired me to keep going and to see maybe that working in a studio would be a great job and fun So I moved up to New York after that, and I worked at a studio and uh, attempted to do it. And the studio scene there was really dead. And I made friends who were all doing music up there, and we kind of collectively decided we needed to move to L.A. because we were making trips. And just like the sessions and the work in L.A. was just a higher caliber than what we were finding in, in New York. So at the time, I think New York is actually coming back now. Like There's a ton of cool people there.
0: Yeah. And at this time, was it, like, strictly, like, engineering gigs that you were taking on, or were you taking,
1: like, writing gigs at this point? I was not a particularly good engineer at any point. Like, (laughs) in New York, I did, like, the thing that came out of it was I learned Pro Tools, I learned, like, some old school, like, engineering techniques, but, like, I didn't have the capacity to, like, utilize a lot of those in my normal life. Like, using a console, it just wasn't... I don't it, The information just wasn't super useful. Miking a drum kit with like 11 mics wasn't very practical for me in an apartment in New York. So like, you're learning a lot of things <laughs> that like, I didn't realize I would eventually appreciate. But at the time, I was very much like, I'm making like electronic music. I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't as obsessed with it at that point. Uh, the like live recording stuff. So I took it for granted um, for a bit. And then Yeah, I was doing a lot of, when I got started, I mean, you kind of just take the jobs you can get. So I had had a little success as a band on YouTube, and and as a result, we met um, some people at a company called Fullscreen that manages a bunch of YouTube people. And so we were, I was with my friends just every single day doing cover video productions. Like all these people were like recording cover videos and getting hundreds of millions of views. And they needed people to like record it and produce the track and like just do the engineering and the music side. And it was kind of pop camp boot song or boot camp pop song boot camp (laughs) for me. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I, I learned so much about that. And I was really, at some point, I had already fallen in love with pop music at that point. And I had come from like band world and being a bit snobby about it. But like when I got really into production, I started to just like really appreciate pop production and the like doing something simple is so hard sometimes and like (laughs) how are these people making dynamic powerful impactful songs and their drum beat is just a loop like it was just so impressive because i was coming from like uh pop punk and hardcore where like as a drummer you're changing it up every section and it's just that constant new information and then pop music that's just like this is an idea and we're going to keep it going for three minutes and keep you captivated, and and like that. Just learning how to do that was so inspiring to me. Um, so interesting.
0: On. Well, obviously, yeah. like your your background in writing, I feel like yeah, that would lead you to songwriting songs. You know, like yeah. you're talking about wanting to be a book writer and that kind of thing. Um, so it was always kind of in there. You know, I think so. Obviously, it kind of makes sense. Like, why not fuse those two worlds of your love of music and writing? And you know, yeah,
1: totally. I mean, I kind of see it as just a love of creative. Pursuits, uh, just like all things creative, and I think with production, like it adds in this love of like engineering and technical stuff. Like it's just a collision of things that I'm passionate about. That like uh, I know plenty of producers in music who just are not super passionate about the technical stuff, or producers who aren't super passionate about the songwriting. Um, and you can be either one. There's like there's a world for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely have a passion for both sides of it. Um, nice. So. Uh, yeah. Living in the songwriting world. I mean, so now that I'm in pop, I'm in like LA, it's very much like, um, session based lifestyle. It's not like what I thought producing would be necessarily. It's more like what songwriting and happen. You're recording it and it's amazing. So how,
0: how would you describe that difference of like what you thought it was going to be with production versus what it actually appeared to be?
1: I mean cuz like when I came from band life and this is a long time ago I mean I've been doing the pop thing for so long that it's it's all makes sense to me but when I first got into it I I thought like producing and songwriting were separate things and I thought you know with bands like you're coming in rehearsed and ready to record and I think that it definitely does work like that for some people and it does work that way it definitely used to be that like you would write the songs and you'd rehearse them and you'd have it all figured out and you'd go in and record it But nowadays, at least for pop music and what I do, it's very much like I'm meeting, like today, in like an hour and a half, I have somebody coming over, I've never met an artist, and we're just going to one-on-one get to know each other, and then we're going to write a full song and record it, and we're going to have a demo at the end of the day that's like, you know, 80% there. And anything that I have to do after that, if they want to release it, is going to be, you know, just dynamic Building and and mix stuff. It's all like b- really simple stuff, but the bare bones of the song are going to be there. The like vocal will be finished and recorded, and any pieces of the production that are like identifiable will be there. Um, that's amazing. And so that that it was just like a that took a, that's a learning curve to do that um, because I came from like spending months writing songs. It was like in the band world, you'd have like a little idea with your friends, and you'd write maybe a verse or a chorus idea. Pulling it all together took forever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's definitely like a process of just doing it hundreds of times for years. And you start to be really good at just like (laughs) every day I'm writing a new song and I'm not stressing about it. It's just
0: fun. You bring up a really good point. It's really interesting is that like, you know, you see all these bands, local bands or even bigger bands, it's like it takes forever for them to release a record because it's just like they take forever to write these songs. And like you said, (laughs) like they might they might write like a a rough idea and then they sit on it for like two months before they're like before they actually consider the song done, you know, Um, whereas like with the way you're saying, it's like so fast.
1: (laughs) But yeah, also for artists, it's like a totally different life because like their their life is not Every day writing songs and recording music. Like for me, that's all I do. And that's because that's what I love. So I chose that. But like for the artists and the bands, like most of their life is touring or promoting or, you know, there's all social media, like unfortunately is a huge part of it. So like they're getting to write like a handful of days a year um, or a handful of days a month, maybe at best. So like, or maybe like the labels, like you have two months, write a record. So I totally get that, but it definitely works differently. There used to be like album cycles back in the day, where it's like, or you'd hear about like the bands making an album for a year or two, and then they they go on tour, and then there's the touring cycle, and then it comes all back around and, and promo or whatever. There's these different seasons of it, mm-hmm. and now it's very much happening all at once for artists, and I think that can be kind of chaotic, make it almost harder to to make something cohesive. But, for sure, yeah, we're kind of living in the chaos and trying to to make sense of it as That's producers. Absolutely.
0: I mean, it's, it's a crazy, crazy gig where like, you're literally, like you said, like you're, you have a session today with someone you've never met and, and you are going to make something out of thin air and it's going to turn into a finished song. You know, like that's that's a crazy thing. And I, I think that like for some people that could be a lot of pressure and a lot of stress because it's like, you know, there's an expectation that something has to get done at the end of yeah. the day. Like, and, and um, yeah, I'm curious to dig into that a little bit. Like just even like the process of, you know, what does a writing session typically look like for you? Like, are you starting from like ideas that you've had before or like, are you literally just going to like start from scratch and
1: see where it goes? totally. I mean, I think it's different for everybody. Um, so like my way of doing it isn't going to work for everybody, but like some people start ideas and have a bunch of ideas in advance. Some people are literally beat people and they just have full beats. I'm very much like a, uh, songwriter that wants I'm I'm so collaborative with it that like I want to just start from scratch every day in an ideal world and I don't have a ton of like preconceived ideas I might have like I mean I'm playing instruments so like I might have little like riffs I'm working out on guitar or chords and I'm like oh I really love this I want to eventually use that so I'll have like a little you know backlog of potential places to go in my head but most days it's like the artist comes in And if you don't know them, it's really like a, let's get to know each other, like hang out, shoot the shit, like talk for a while. Um, And then you try to find common ground on music and like listen to stuff or talk about like um, stuff you love. And then you're just trying to find like a, oh, this is where we overlap and where I'm really inspired to like, and they're really inspired. Like, let's, let's do something like this. Let's, um. And whether that's a specific artist or just a genre or a tempo or a like, what do they need? What are they lacking? That sort of thing. And then you just start start playing ideas. And like, some days it starts with drums and some days it starts with guitar. Some days it just starts with chords on the piano. Um, so Or some a lot of artists bring in ideas. So every single day is different and you kind of just have to be prepared for that. And I definitely, when I was first getting started at that, that was scary. I would have anxiety all morning leading up to a session because I'd be like, oh my God. Like at a certain point for most pop sessions, there's a part of the conversation's over and we need to start a song and everybody in the <laughs> room turns to the producer and is like, all right, what do you got? Like, yeah. what are you going to do to like inspire us to write a song? And that th- that moment can be like just anxiety inducing. It could be awful if you're not experienced and prepared for it. <laughs> at a certain point, you've done it so many times that like, you don't really think about it anymore and it doesn't become some pivotal moment it just kind of happens naturally and um yeah i think that just comes with experience but uh i would say like if if i was when i was just getting started i would do so much more prep for sessions i'd have like a good idea of what the artist sounded like previously or what their demos sounded like and i'd have a ton of like instruments prepped in my session my like template would be loaded up with like drums that kind of sound like their stuff synths presets that maybe sound like them um stuff that would make it easy to like get there uh now it's much more like i'm kind of winging it unless it's like some big session um just because it's it leads to more uh at least a better songs when you're open to being anything and most of the time artists are coming in not trying to do what they've already done so like you kind of want to just find common ground that's like, you know what they are and what they've been, but like, what else do they like? Mm-hmm. Where else can we like, what what else can we draw into to what we're doing today that's like new and cool? Yeah.
0: That's an interesting perspective, too, because like, yeah, if an artist is coming to you saying like, yeah, we want to do something different, then... It, to, to some degree, it's like, if they were like, we want to do more of the same, then it's it's you have that template there almost, you know? But like, so and yeah. they want to do something new, it's like, okay, well, how do we reinvent the wheel here and, and still maintain that same aesthetic to the band or whatever it is, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me nowadays, that's like the most exciting thing is to be like, oh, what was the unexpected thing that I wasn't prepared to do? Because I'm like, now I'm suddenly like, oh yeah, how would I do that? That's, that's that just like opens up creativity and like as soon as you find like a vision and there's some point in a session like and and hopefully it's earlier on in the session but like some point in the session as a producer you figure out where you're going like you maybe you're starting off in a more abstract sense of like playing a bunch of chords and then listening to melodies and like if you're playing something and they're singing melodies then you're on to something and you should kind of like that's kind of the signal that like, okay, let's go further down this, this direction. If you're playing something and nobody's singing, like, then you should probably start something new. Um But yeah, so once you have like melodies going and like the songs kind of coming, like then you start to think of production vision. And once you have the vision for that, you're like home free because like, uh that's the whole, the whole song can come together as soon as you kind of know where you're going.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: But if you're fumbling in the dark, until the end, it can be super stressful. <laughs> yeah. So ideally, you're kind of getting inspired and you're chasing that inspiration um, and seeing where it goes, and then and then you know where you're going, um, and you just need to execute.
0: Do you ever have days at the end of the day where you're just like, we didn't come up with an idea? Like, does uh, that I mean, yeah,
1: that that definitely happens. I mean, it's less often than it used to. Um, when I was first starting doing this, it's not like you would come out with a song at the end of the day every day. It was yeah. very much like chance (laughs) sometimes it just nobody because when you're starting out also like the people you're working with are all kind of new it's not like you're going getting thrown in the room with a big artist day one so like you're getting thrown in with a bunch of people who are figuring it out too and most of the music business side kind of knows this and is like when you're first starting out nobody's setting up your sessions but you but eventually you know you might sign a pub deal and you might be being thrown into sessions and they're just like like I said, it's boot camp, and it's like, they're just going to do as many sessions as possible. And, um, just so that you can figure out how to do it. Like really, like nobody, there are like savant people who come out of like college and they can write like a hit song. Like there, I've met people who like have written massive songs alone in their dorm room. And you're just like, how the hell did you do that? But like most of us, uh, need to like figure out how to, to write and collaborate together um and so it really just comes down to experience there
0: yeah that makes sense what about like the idea of lyrics versus like instrumentation like i know some some writers tend to be better at one thing versus another so like how, how do you see that for yourself like do you feel
1: like you have both sides of that like did you write lyrics and the music or i mean um, when i started out i was doing everything because i've like was passionate about it but like as you go like you start to find your little world that you live in better and for me like i love that the songwriting process but like just by the the roles in the room i'm also the producer so i need to like at some point in the session i need to like start getting all the sounds in there and the instrumentation and the arrangement figured out And so there has to be like, once we kind of dial in the melody or whatever, and maybe we're writing to like a loop we've created, but a lot of the times today music has more chord changes and stuff. So you're being a little more open to like not committing to any idea until you have an arrangement, at least an idea of an arrangement, um, in the room. So like, I'm so involved in like the melodic process, but I'm also trying to just encourage people. I'm not ever trying to be like, this is the melody. I'm usually like listening and I'm like, that's really cool. Um, and then ideally, I'm coming in at the end with, like, uh, you know, uh, suggestions or, like, when people are stuck, I'm coming in. I'm not typically, like, the driving force on the lyrics in most sessions anymore. Um, and I I kind of prefer that. Like, eventually, it's really hard to write. Like, if you're writing 80 songs a year, it's hard to write 80 full lyrical songs and feel like... Like, I can write a song on my own, but, like when I'm having to do it 80 times, like eventually you run out of ideas. So <laughs> there are people who like, that's what they do. They're just idea generators. And like they can, they've, I've chosen to specialize in like production and like those songwriters are chosen to specialize in like making sure that like lyrics happen every day and they can get, and they're just so good. It's so, it's so impressive to watch somebody who can do that really well. For sure.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I feel like, you know, most of us start off as instru- as musicians ourselves playing, like, one instrument. And, like, you know, maybe we play guitar, bass, drums, whatever. And then if you want to be a songwriter, I mean, at, at least at this level, I think having an idea of how to write lyrics is also another important part of it. But then also branching beyond your own instrument as well. Like, totally. you know, like, like you said, you're a drummer first. so So it's like, you know, to then have to understand musical theory and be able to, like, I'm assuming you're probably, like, on a keyboard all day and like playing like MIDI programming MIDI stuff all day. So like you have (laughs) to, you have to get good at another instrument and and at least understand the other instrumentation to be able to like put together a full song and, and do the production from that side of things. Right.
1: Totally. And it's fascinating. Like I mentioned earlier, how many producers are drummers because it is, it is hard to adjust to like music theory when you didn't grow up on it. So like that took me a while to like fully, and I'm always learning. Like, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. And there's plenty of things in music theory that I just don't know. But there are certain things and tricks that you just pick up along the way that help you with music theory. And I don't think that maybe traditional, the way that people traditionally learn like piano is necessarily going to help them write pop songs. (laughs) Like there's just so much like there's amazing things in there. But some of the best musicians I know like are not particularly great songwriters or not particularly like the best touring guitarists and and keyboard players and people I know, they don't like excel in the studio because it's just a different there's a different like need in the studio. And especially in pop music, it's very much like um, chord voicings are all about like implied melody, but not aggressive Mm -hmm. melody like you want to let the vocal shine and and maybe there's riffs and stuff but the riffs are very like contained like when you listen to pop songs you're going to mostly hear like pentatonic scales in the the riffs and the melodies you're not going to hear like full-on tons of jazz voicings or anything so it's pretty simple and usually that just leads to the catchiest thing um but knowing how to break out of those is cool it's just knowing when that's appropriate to for
0: sure um yeah, and imagine, like, when you're writing songs every day and working with other writers and studying songs, you're definitely picking up on, like, formulas of sorts, you know, totally. like, that that inspire you to work. And And it's interesting because, like, I don't know that I've ever admitted it on this podcast, but, like, one of my favorite sounding records is... Carly Ray Jepsen's "Emotion" record. Mm. I love the sound of that record, yeah. man. It sounds totally. so freaking good. And I know that you got to work on the side B version of it, which sounds just as good. Um, and and one of the things that like when I when I analyze that record, like there's def- there's definitely like a formula to those songs. And like you know, I found that like all the verses tend to start really really quiet. Then there's like the second <laughs> half of the verse. There's a new element that's introduced right before the chorus. Everything drops for a split second, and then you get this massive chorus. And it's such a Impactful way of writing and it, it works. Like I think that's why I love that record. Like every song's a totally. banger because of that arrangement. Um, so uh, I'm curious to, to to talk a little bit about like the songwriting formulas, I suppose, um, and talk about like you know learning learning that element of it and like you know how how to structure a song properly and you know totally. like, m- making an impact with arrangement and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like that Carly Rae record was probably coming out at like the peak of that style of pop music too so like Mm -hmm. that was kind of a pinnacle moment for that style of like explosive chorus and like we're coming out of the Katy perry Perry era and like um and and then there was like gonna be like this new kind of trap darker area for a while and now i don't know what era we're necessarily entering in but the rules constantly are evolving because of those but there are some fundamental like song people here call it song math um, rules and whether they're like, not everybody has the same song math or the same song math rules, but we've all kind of adopted our own perspective on what that means. And in that like pop era, I I think the big thing for the Swedish style writers that I just observed over the years was like, you know, one of the biggest things was like, and you can see this in waveforms in your session. This can just like visually help you once people put in the melodies, but like, see where the blocks of of vocal information are sitting in the bars because like when they're recording those songs like usually you have a first pre-chorus chorus maybe you have a post-chorus kind of drop section or whatever but like most of those pop swedish writers were doing like a thing where maybe one section comes in on the one one section comes in after the one and one section comes in before the one and when you were doing those explosive choruses it really helped to have the melodic explosion happened before the one and kind of like pull you into that um and so you could just like notice patterns i'm scared to know what like ai algorithms are going to (laughs) do because they're actually going to find song math they're going to be like oh my god
0: songs that's an interesting point the
1: key of uh d do not win and songs (laughs) in the key of c do like who knows like we're just going to have way too much information is going to like prohibit creativity but some of these song like structural things can help you creatively and I think one of the biggest things that I learned because when I first got started you I would write so many choruses or verses and be like man or just like you know 30 second songs and you'd be like that is so catchy and I love it but you would never know how to finish it and Mm -hmm. part of that comes from like this attachment to an idea that like a melody is good in isolation but the reality is like melodies are good relative to each other and how you set them up so like the note that you hit at the end of your pre chorus can completely change how you interpret the big first note of your chorus. So, finding the right note and not being like committed to like the melody that came out of your mouth and being like, oh, but what if I hit this instead? Cause it'll hit, it'll make that impact so big. I mean, just being open to the idea that like these sections are all influencing each other and they don't stand. On their own they stand like relative to each other and like an explosive amazing chorus like in isolation isn't all that explosive it's it's really about like how did you get there
0: um, fair yeah no that's really interesting and i, I think that's a really good point because i know a lot of people that like you said like they'll, they'll maybe just start with like an idea for a chorus or a verse and almost nobody i know can write a bridge you know it's <laughs> yeah. everyone gonna yeah. get stuck at that point for some reason right? well bridge,
1: bridges went out of style for a while i, I think they're kind of back maybe but yeah yeah chord changes went out of style too and and that's kind of back but it's all about being like tasteful and like doing it because it it changes or it evolves the song in the right way and it sets up the next section in the right way Mm -hmm. um like chord changes like when you listen to like classic i mean so many people right now are referencing like 90s songs and you hear all of these cool chord changes but it's really like there's so much restraint in the verse and that allows you to do a chord change in the chorus that you know, maybe it's just like a a classic like four one six five kind of thing, like any combination of those chords. But like, it feels amazing because the restraint they showed beforehand it just makes it open up. But like most of the time, those big explosive moments are kind of basic on their own. But it's like, oh, that like chorus restraint or that verse restraint set up that chorus, they
0: yeah, you're just right, feel
1: huge. Um, and I think when you think about chord changes like that and it's like this is just about like the dynamics of the song then it can just open up your songwriting to being you know everything is about like I, this is a terrible thing to say about something that's creative, a creative endeavor, but like when it's, when it's about like, I need to finish something, like we're producers. The job is like productivity and like the job is finishing songs. So like you can start a million ideas, but if you can't finish, so like having a toolbox that like helps you get to the finish line and helps you understand structure and helps you understand that like, um, like how, okay, we've got cool melodies. How do we get? this into an idea and like that that just takes experience but also as you have experience you build a toolbox that you can draw from and that's what i would say song math is in a way it's like you you have this toolbox of like i don't need to follow these rules but like i know they exist and i know they can help me if i'm stuck uh and some of them you can't even articulate some of them are just like in your head in a weird way and it's the same thing with music theory i think for me i didn't learn it traditionally so like when i'm sitting at a keyboard or a guitar there's a level of knowledge that i have because i play them every day but there's also this level of mystery sometimes utilizing the mystery of it can lead you in cool places and then sometimes you can go back to the things you know absolutely work so um yeah yeah no,
0: that's I, really interesting i went on a
1: long tangent there i kind of lost myself no but, myself, I, but, but it's <laughs> really
0: interesting and i and i think that like you know going back to that idea of like creating impact i, I think you're absolutely right about how it's not about a, a chorus being a big thing. Like a chorus on its own yeah. is a chorus. It's just what it is, right? But yeah, yeah you're right. It, it's all about that contrast that you're creating between the verses or the pre-choruses or whatever that makes something sound big or small. Um, totally.
1: Yeah, that, that's very very cool. Now nowadays, especially like with music, it's like we're trying to stand out from the crowd. Like there's so many like more songs on Spotify every week than there were last week. It's like the new songs, I can't even remember the number, but like even, I mean, it's in the hundreds of thousands every week are being added to Spotify. So like the curators of these playlists, they can't like listen to hundreds of thousands of songs every week. So like you've got to stand out in some way to break through. Mm-hmm. Um, It helps to have like an amazing team that gets you on playlists. But if you don't like, scene changes are helpful. And like, I, I don't know if scene changes is like an official term, but like, Having dynamics is so crucial to your song these days, and like having moments where you're like, Whoa, I didn't expect that, but you set it up enough that it's cool and it's like the coolest thing you've heard. Um, and and constantly, like, songs are shorter now because our attention spans are shorter. So, it's like, How do you use your knowledge of like song structure and what you can do to the best advantage today when people's attention spans are small, when you're competing against more songs to get heard? Sometimes it's it's from cheesy things like drastic moment changes, but, you know, I think subtle dynamic changes can be huge too to just make it feel like the song is constantly new and fresh and exciting.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely think of a band like, uh, like Maroon 5, for example. Like, a lot of their songs are just the same loop over and over again. Yeah. But, like, the chorus, like... The, the choruses get bigger somehow, and you kind of forget that you're in. Like you're hearing the same riff over and over again, because like all of a sudden the vocal changes, and like that that's the thing that's like making it all sound different, or you know, maybe yeah, like totally. one other element is introduced to it. Um. So so yeah, you're right. Like t- sometimes it isn't about like small to big or the other way around. Sometimes it's just like adding something unique.
1: Yeah, totally. But I I also wonder though, and this is just me. I have no answers here. I just curiously like. Maroon 5 style bands like they're obviously like on top so they stay on top with the same kind of thing but like I don't know that a new band could write or could release songs that sound like Maroon 5 and Break because it just would be a sea of the same old thing. so it's like just saying that like if you're a young band maybe like finding a way to like you have to bring dynamics to your songs in some way so um, for sure but it's choosing it I think it's like cherry picking like this is where we're choosing dynamics because you don't want to create like a, a dynamic range of like a jazz album or like an orchestral album like you we are living in a pop world things need to be loud so dynamics is is definitely like a broad term but in the case that we're talking about it's like specific things you can do to like change the scene and yeah the the most basic way is just like cut your bass out like that's what like pop songs were in 2010 it was like we're not gonna put a bass in this section and then the bass comes in and it's like whoa so like that's the (laughs) most basic version of it and that still happens everywhere. Like, I mean, suddenly, like, especially now, it's like, you've got all these kids making like music with like 808s and they're just clipping it. And it sounds crazy because it like ducks the whole song, but it's like a sound and it's cool and it's caught on. And like, it's funny that like these bad production techniques have created a sound that like other people with, like, I know so many people who are like amazing engineers being like, how do, how do I do that? <laughs> like, how do I get that Fruity Loop sound? And you're like, well, you, you've you got to like break the rules of what you know. And That can create dynamics in a weird way. For sure. Yeah, I used to
0: have a mentor who who would always say like, you need to know the rules before you can break them. You know, and like once you know that, then, then you can go nuts and like be intentional about it, right?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, the advantage to knowing the rules and then breaking them is that like when the music scene changes and evolves, you can adapt. The people who don't know the rules and were breaking them from the start and had success, I think like are less likely to continue to have careers because these scenes of music, they're so quick. Like, things are coming and going from music. Like, trap drums are gone. If you were the guy who did... um Mostly. Maybe they're still in some songs. But, like, for the most part, like, like they're not ubiquitous anymore. And so, mm-hmm. like, if you were the guy who just did trap drums for, like, a, ton, a few years, I hope you made a boatload of money. Because, like, if you can't do something <laughs> else, like, that scene is going to go away. And it's it's consistently fading. So, like... And something else is taking its place. And there's always somebody young coming up and breaking the rules by accident and doing something new. So yeah, knowing the rules and and then learning how to break them and what's trendy. Yeah. It is useful. So are you are you finding that you like cuz it used to be that you know people would say like
0: um like I know songwriters that have had hits or whatever and then it's like they get asked to write more of that same hit. And it used to be that like like yeah i can do that but like by the time the song gets released it's gonna be old news by then you know like the way the the schedules were working at that point now obviously music is like much faster paced and people are like literally like writing a song and releasing it the same day sometimes um so as far as like keeping up with like musical trends how do you go about doing that are you just you just listening to music every day kind of thing is that
1: i mean i think it's harder and harder now because like there isn't like a singular trend that's happening um, in the way that, like we were saying, trap drums—that was a yeah. singular trend that every pop song had for a while. And now there's just like so many things happening. I mean, there's a disco trend. I'm not particularly like thinking that I could do it better than Dua Lipa did it, so I'm not like chasing that. Or <laughs> Carly <laughs> Rae crushing it at disco too. So it's like there are people doing that. Um, I don't like necessarily want to chase trends as much as just be aware of them and like how you can use them. But like with The amount of music that's coming out, I think more and more it's important to just, like, be self-conscious of what you actually like. Um, Like, we're all, the best, the most successful people in music are, like, tastemakers. I mean, it's like Rick Rubin. Like, he's not, like, a a technical engineer anymore. Um, He was obviously, like, a hands-on guy at some point. But nowadays, he just knows what he likes and what he doesn't like, and he just makes decisions. So, like, as a producer, like, just being as aware as you can about the things that you like, but also being open to, to people changing your mind. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard. I don't, I don't know, like, especially now with trends like trends just constantly coming and going or there just being, like, five or six at a time that are kind of happening. Um, you just have to know what you like and what you don't like. Uh, there was definitely, like, a moment in COVID where, like, all these people were blowing up on TikTok with, like, a certain sound that appeals to like 30 second videos and I, it just didn't mesh with me. Like I just was, I don't, I struggled to write those kinds of songs. Um, not to say that they're bad. Like it takes a, it takes a like talent to do it. Um, and I met people who are so good at it. But like for me, I was just like, you know what, I'm not going to like put my time into this because I know I don't love it. Mm. And I, I do think at the end of the day, like we're pursuing a career in music because we love it. Like, you do have to make money and you do have to think about the business, but like you didn't become an accountant or a lawyer or whatever else you could have done so like you 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 chose to do something for the love of it, not for the the money so I don't know there's a balance of like what do I love and and I think if you stay true to like taste and your own taste and like trusting your taste, like you'll find a lane, whether it's like you're gonna be maroon five, I don't know, but like um there's plenty of people who aren't household names who are making tons of money, mm-hmm. have, you know, those people... It's like Carly Ray Jefferson. Like, Carly Ray Jefferson's not Dua Lipa, but, like, she has a passionate fan base. It's pretty impressive. Like, there's people who show up for to buy, you know, the vinyl records for every album. They go to every show. They're, like, talking on forums. They're, like, obsessive. So there's, like, niches today that maybe weren't as accessible as they were in previous generations that, like, I do think is somewhat the future of... of music not everybody's going to be like a massive pop star so the fact that there are lanes where you can have just like consistent fan bases and doing something that you're passionate about like Carly Rae Jepsen says and I don't know her so I don't want to like say that I'm like using her as a representation for everything but it just it is a good representation of this one idea that like she loves and it's like entirely her thing making this style of pop music and chasing her thing and like other people love her for it so yeah I think there's something there. um I certainly don't have the answers, or I'd be recruitment, <laughs> but the, I have a notion of like that is a thought uh that like if if I, for me at least that I hold on to, which is that like trust your taste and your own taste and try to do things you love i I would say I've had a kind of diverse random career in that I love a lot of things, and you probably could build a better brand if you were like just the e d m guy or just the trap guy or just the disco guy um So, uh, you know, if that's your thing, own it. Yeah. But I think you're
0: right. Like there are so many different niches these days where there's, in some ways there are more opportunities to break out. And, you know, like you said, like it could be like a 30 second, you could be that person who does really good at making 30 second TikTok music. And like, I, and I know people that have done that. Like I know people that were making tens of thousands of dollars every month off of like being a TikTok artist and like writing music totally. that like hits on TikTok. So it's like, there's there's definitely niches that like did not exist like 10 years ago. Um, so in some ways, that, that's a really interesting, cool, cool thing. Um, and maybe this is a question that I should have asked at the very beginning of this, but like, you know, as far as like becoming a songwriter, you know, I think there's a, like like we talked about, there's a lot of musicians that are just jamming in rooms and whatever and don't realize that like they can become a professional writer working with other people other than their bandmates. So yeah. like, you know, How how does one get into, like, becoming a professional songwriter? Like, where do you start? Because, you know, like, there's a lot of great writers that are just sitting at home, like, with these ideas on their computer, but, like, they don't know how to really get these songs out there. So
1: do you have any tips for that? I mean, to be a songwriter, it's going to come down to networking, Um, I think. If I could go back in time, I would have gone to, like, Berkeley or NYU or... um, one of those like songwriting music colleges because um they're not because the program is that good i have no idea like the, i can't imagine that like the teachers at berkeley are like amazing songwriters they might have like information but the reality is like all of your classmates are pursuing the same thing so like i when i like out here i know so many kids who went to berkeley and they're all friends with berkeley kids or <laughs> nyu kids and they're all friends with nyu kids and like you're just going to have like access to this massive network from day one that like if you didn't go there and I didn't go there, you just wouldn't have, I happened to like build a network out of band life and out of making music. Like I, it was like one person at a time. It's like, I met someone on Craigslist who I joined a band with and then we made cool music and then a DJ remixed it and I met that DJ. And then, you know, through him, I met a ton of people who make music. We all moved out to LA and through that network of like living in a house with four people making music we met tons of other people also doing it and and through that your network builds pretty quickly um I was a super introverted person when I started that's kind of like something I've grown out of um I wouldn't say I'm extroverted but I'm definitely like in the middle now and I think that's partly just growing up but partly because like it was necessary for the career like if you're going to write a song every day as a songwriter, you need to you need to be a social. <laughs> you need to at least be able to have tons of conversations with strangers and like engage in a meaningful way with people and be excited about it and energized by it because um, that's the job. I mean, if you want to be a songwriter who's writing songs for you, then you're an artist. If you want to be a songwriter who's writing songs for other people, then then you're a songwriter. And that that is a fun career. And it just like, it helps to be in the place where songs are being written so like in the united states that's la nashville um maybe new york i didn't have success in new york but i know there is a scene now that's that's coming up but it's it's more pocketed if you come to la or nashville like it's only music and the entertainment industry so like la's got movies and music and nashville's you know it's just music um and it's maybe lean's country um so if you want to do country that's the place to be um but there is a scene for other genres there um and that helps i mean your network's just going to grow exponentially if you're in the place where it's happening in canada toronto has a huge scene like um so there's plenty of places and london has a great scene um i mean sweden you probably already know how to be a songwriter if you live there um (laughs) you're born a songwriter (laughs) yeah exactly like there's just like wherever you are in the world like you need to find the hub of of music creation that's accessible to you. Mm-hmm. Um and and be there. I mean, and it sucks at first. Like I didn't necessarily when I moved to New York, I didn't know anybody really. I was acquaintances with one person on the internet that I moved in with. But it's like you just kind of have to take the leap of faith. I don't think and I think when people go to college, that's the same thing. You may not know anybody, but you take the leap of faith that you're gonna make friends and you're you're gonna figure it out and that and you just learn together. I would say that's the biggest thing. Like you're going to learn so much more writing songs with other people about songwriting than um you're going to learn anywhere else or alone in your bedroom. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, having that that foot in the door thing is like it's different for every person and it's so hard because if you're a songwriter like you need to have songs <laughs> and like like that's step 1. And if you can't do that on entirely on your own like as far as recording them and and the problem is there's just so many people doing it that like yeah being somewhere and like just doing it with a ton of people it's just going to open up doors cuz your friends are going to be like I know this artist we should just write with them and and they're nobody artist and then you guys write a cool song and suddenly like that takes I know so many people who like you know that nobody was wanted to be in the room with this artist or like nobody even knew about this artist and then suddenly like one song and it they just go off on TikTok or on Spotify and um the next like duo lipa is somebody nobody has heard of yet. So like those people that you meet on the ground floor, like, you know, your odds go up if they're all Berkeley kids. But like even if they're not, if they're all pursuing it professionally, like that network of people is gonna lead you in the right direction. And your taste ideally is gonna filter through all the options of people you can write with and you're gonna pick people you love and that make the same kind of music you love and Yeah. I would say like today, the biggest path, like it used to be that you could be a songwriter who like writes a great song. And maybe this is still the case in country music. I don't know. But like, there's not that much pitch music anymore. Like most artists are writing their songs to some extent, or they're only taking it from like the top 1% of songwriters. So like, you're not necessarily going to write a song uh, alone in your room and have a big artist cut it unless you have some kind of access that the average person doesn't have. Um, So it's really going to be like finding the artists that can do it. Like if I was a songwriter or producer today, it's like find somebody at your level and find a team of people that you, you all, it's like starting a band in a way. Um, It's like, you've got the producer, the artist and the songwriter and like you guys all team up and you do it and like find success that way. You're gonna like ride the wave together and I think that's definitely where like the new wave of songwriters is coming from
0: for sure yeah I think it's interesting like I think if you're gonna be a professional songwriter you have to expect that those like early years are going to be tough and they're probably like unless you have that network of people like you talked about like the Berkeley connection or something like that it's like you're still discovering the people in the scene. Yeah. You're trying like, you're going to make a lot of songs that go absolutely nowhere. You might not make a ton of money off of any of them, but, like, you have to just, like, get yourself out there and infiltrate the scene enough that, like, people become to, people get to know you. And then, right, like, you find, like, the one artist who does do well on TikTok or whatever it is. And then from there, it just kind of snowballs. And, and I think that that's, that's where people are starting to, that's where people start to get their money, you know, like, finding that that small artist that just no, starts totally. to catch on, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's going to be, like, ground floor up for anybody. So, you yeah. know, I, I to clarify, like, I I don't know that going to Berkeley or NYU or wherever it is, it's worth it. And I honestly don't even know how much those schools cost. So, if, like, that is cost prohibitive. Do not go there. Oh, <laughs> just man. go get straight into doing <laughs> yeah. it because you're going to learn by doing it. And uh, I think it was just, like, the base network that you would have there is appealing. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, as far as, like, what's accessible to anybody, like, you know, take the route that's feasible for you. And it's, yeah, it's about, like, um, just making friends and making music with people that, like, are like-minded and that you believe in. And, yeah. For sure.
0: No, I I 100% agree with that. And I I think you're right. Like, you know, I, I think last I looked... I read that like the Berkeley costs around like $200,000 or something like that oh, to, like, go, to go for like okay. a couple of years, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like, I remember when I was looking for an audio college for myself, I remember doing a tour of Berkeley and I asked our tour guide, like, so how many people who graduate, like <laughs> get jobs in the industry? And, uh, and they're like, I can't tell you. And I was like, you can't tell me <laughs> why. And she's like, cause if I tell you, you won't come because the number is so low. Oh God! <laughs> I was like, all right, well, you know, that's enough said, but, but I think you're right. Like, I think. You know, Berkeley has that that network. You know, yeah. like that's that's the thing. I, I you know, even for myself, when I did finally pick an audio college, it was like which one around me has the best local network because like that's what I need to tap into. You know, and, and uh, I totally. Think, and I think that there's lots of options out there for that kind of thing. Um, and obviously, the faster you can grow your network, the the better your increased, your cha- increased chances of like getting success, right? Um, yeah but uh but you don't have to go to an audio college to to find that network there's so many no, totally. options available and
1: i think like the key thing is like everybody's path is different so like you don't even if you're like coming into the game late like um if you feel like too old to do it like you're never too old to do it like there's always a route that you can take and i mean at the same time there's like you don't need college i know so many successful producers engineers songwriters artists and who didn't go to college, and then I know a bunch who did. And, like, I don't think college played a role in their success. I think, like, the things that play a role in your success are, you know, the drive to do it. It's, like, there's a level of, like, people who are really creative are a lot of the times plagued by lack of productivity. And, like, you eventually have to, like, realize how how do I finish things. Um, And especially for producers, like, finishing songs, like, we... Even today, like in my life, I start so many more songs than I ever like take all the way to the finish line as far as like released song. But like the way that I learn more than any other way is through those songs that get finished and get released. Because like the minute you hear it on Spotify, you're you either so proud of it or you're like, damn, I wish I, wish I wish I could have a couple more hours to like fix this, that and whatever. But like that, like execution of like finishing something is it's where you realize like what is a song what does a song actually need um because when you first get started trying to finish it's like you just keep trying to add stuff but like songs don't need you know 200 tracks like eventually you, if anything nowadays they need less and less than they used to but like um than they used to as in 10 years ago not in the 70s i'm sure they were very minimal in comparison today t- today but with tape but like um it's it's really just like what fundamentally does it need? And and the things that we were talking about earlier, it's like dynamics and flow. And like, I would say like that stuff, if you have a song that's good and your parts are good, like it's about dynamic and uh, getting from section to section naturally. Yeah. And that ideally starts to become passive. That starts to become something that you do on a compositional level. But yeah the biggest thing for all producers to get over is like production is don't get too deep in the weeds on production. If you haven't figured out the composition, like composition, like good composition solves all problems. Like you're going to, if your song flows from verse to pre to chorus and whatever to the end, like it's going to be a breeze to produce, like getting sounds and stuff like that does take time to like learn how to like mix a snare and a kick and a bass and a vocal like yeah totally that that takes talent and like a level of experience but like at a certain stage you know how to do that or you can spend the hours doing that but if you spend the hours getting your kick and your snare and your bass and your vocal sitting right and after all of that you have a fundamental like compositional issue like it was all for nothing and so like just <laughs> from time management and experience I could tell you that like figure that out figure out that like the parts are what they need to be and that the flow is all working and then start dialing everything. Because if you start dialing too soon, you're just going to like waste a lot of effort. Um, yeah,
0: I think that's an amazing point to bring up and, and uh yeah, definitely something that's really important because I, I know so many people that just spend forever like chasing perfection with their tracks. And it's like, you know, if I tweak this kick or, you know, add this frequency here and with EQ and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you can chase that all you want, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you have yeah. to have that good song to, to make it worthwhile anyway, you know? Yeah, so, no, a
1: thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, and I think like, the, all of that stuff is fun and it's so fun to like listen and to to get new plugins and to get new things, but like, at a certain point, it's, it's more productive sometimes for the producer, songwriter at least, not, the mix engineer, totally different experience, but like, and the engineer in general, different experience, but if you're producing and you want to finish songs, like, get things that inspire you to make songs and like, don't stress out too much about, um, you know, EQ and like compression and like dialing it endlessly at the beginning. I mean, eventually like you need your songs to sound competitive to even get to the point where they get mixed. So you do need to know all that stuff, but like, don't let it distract you from like, if you haven't written your verse yet and you're busy dialing in your kick drums then you just need to rethink your priorities because it, yeah. it, it's a thing that plagues everybody who's obsessed with this Oh, um, of course
0: yeah some people always like I know a lot of people that will use like the crutch of like oh it, it inspires me more if I get the perfect sound but it's like yeah. does it or are you just distracting yourself from the, the real work that needs to be done right
1: <laughs> no totally it, yeah and it is I think also that like um the this is like a delicate thing to say but it's like there's like this level of like celebrity Mix engineers that's happened on the internet that's fascinating and I can appreciate it. And like a great mix engineer is amazing, but like uh, for producers, is that going to help you make the song? I don't know. Like spending hours watching mix tutorials from guys who are getting like the best already finished productions that sound 98% of the way there. Like, you know, you're only going to learn so much watching endlessly. Whereas, like, listening to conversations of people who are like uh, hopefully helpful in saying like hey the tough part you got to do the tough part which is writing the song (laughs) yeah the hard part is like mixing is hard and it takes a skill but like if your job is producer you should be focusing on that first of course and just do it in order
0: yeah and it's like you know uh you know like a celebrity mix engineer let's say like someone like a chris lord algae or something like that like that guy has probably still, and still to this day, probably mix, uh, mixes a lot of really shitty songs that we never yeah, hear of, you know, totally. but, but we only hear the hits. And because of that, we're like, oh man, this guy's amazing. Everything he touches is gold. But it's like, there's, if, I think if you looked at his calendar, you'd be like, oh, there's a lot of garbage in here, you know, Yeah, but, totally. uh, but it's like, it, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the songs, you know, and, and that's what ends up making the songs grow to what they become.
1: Totally. And I didn't mean to knock celebrity mix engineers. It is like they got there for a reason and like there is a ton to learn there and I've put hours into learning all that stuff so I'm not saying don't do it but I am saying that like from experience I've been distracted by that stuff and by mixing things without focusing on just the creative stuff and like so many of the coolest songs that like people share with me these days are not well mixed they're not like it's like homemade and it all Mm -hmm. comes down to pure creativity and like not knowing what you're doing on the mix end so not saying that that's the right thing to do for everybody but like just knowing that like when you play the song for somebody do they really care about what the kick and the snare sound like are they going to listen to the fundamental song as a whole and it's either going to like hit from an energy point like the production comes down to energy and flow more than it does like sonic um perfection um so yeah from a songwriting producer standpoint of view it's just like the the hard part and the not fun part and the thing that's hard to teach in a tutorial is like um how to finish a song and <laughs> and that that just comes from like doing the work and the hard part and
0: yeah absolutely
1: experience
0: absolutely uh well dude right on like, i don't want to take up too much more of your time um i love we could start to wrap up here but one last yeah. question to kind of sum it all up is is um in your opinion what ultimately makes a great song then you know, having, oh. se- having seen all of this and, like, being ingrained in it every day, like, what ultimately makes a good song?
1: I mean, for me, like, a great song, uh, I think it comes down to the artist. At the end of the day, like, we're, you can have, like, an amazing song, um, but the artist is the one that takes it out into the world and, like, delivers it, and it, they're either going to be able to show the world that it's a great song or not. Um, and so, like, if the artist can't, like, an, a great artist can take a mediocre song and, like, blow it up. And it just comes down to, like, X-factor things that are hard to describe. But, like, you... Ideally, like, we're all trying to target that. We're all trying to describe it. We're all trying to figure out what what makes a great artist. And if anybody figured it out, it's prob- they're probably the head of a label. Um. So, like, that, that, at the end of the day, is the hard truth, is that it comes down to the artist. And it's the same way that, like, being in a band and being the drummer it comes down to your singer like all of the i've met so many big bands and like i've met guys in like just massive rock bands and just like had small conversations with them and they were just like we just got lucky <laughs> you found the right <laughs> singer and you were in the right place at the right time because like as much as like there's amazing you know guys like dave grohl playing drums for nirvana but like it came down to kurt cobain like those so you can have the best drummer in the world but like if it wasn't kurt cobain was it going to be a were they going to be a take over the world band? So like you, the same thing today, if you're a producer or a songwriter, like you need the artist that can do it. And that person can be anybody. Like, it's not like that has to be somebody who's big today. Like I said, it, it can be a nobody today, but it's just the belief that they can do it. Um, and you know, the song needs to align with that artist. It needs to suit them. And it, like so many stars need to align. There's a big gauntlet that it takes to getting a song out, let alone, getting it to connect with people and more so now than ever. I think like, I think it's harder to break through the noise than it was uh, in the past. So it's the same shitty answer I had for like, what makes a great chorus. <laughs> it's like the things that surround it. It's yeah. like, the, it's hard to write a perfect song, but like some of it comes down to like, um, I mean, I think it just comes down to like artist and connecting because like you connect with songs or you don't. And it, it can be just the voice. It can be just the person. It can be just the like, the, uh, the desire to connect with it. Um, mm-hmm. like Taylor Swift, like nobody is doing it better than her as far as like connecting with an audience. And like, you, she definitely like the best songwriter of my generation. Whether you love her songs or not is like a different story, but like, if a songwriter's job is to write songs that connect with people, like, I don't know that anybody can do it better than that. So, yeah. um, but that's definitely not a good answer. If you want, like what's the perfect <laughs> structure and, uh, yeah. yeah. Thing? Cause I don't know. <laughs> it's no, just all. I, I song think you're to song. absolutely
0: right though. I, I do think that it really does come down to that artist. Cause there's a lot of great, a lot of great songs that have been written that are just sitting, on someone's computer, then, like, that person is just not a good artist. They're not like, someone who knows how to connect. Yeah. They're not someone who knows how to network. And that's why those songs never see the light of day, you know? And, and uh, you know, I remember, like, You know, from where I where I live, like Justin Bieber, like lived close by, and you know, everyone used to like knock on him when he first came out. And I'm like, (laughs) this kid's been hustling since he was six. Like, obviously, he was going to be a successful writer, you know, because like he was working it. Of course, he's going to have success because you're sitting on your ass over there doing nothing, and like that's why nothing's happening with your career, you know. So it's like you know, stuff like that happens all the time. And um, I think you're right, though. I think it like it's a combination of like a a catchy song with with the right artist who's going to. I promote it and connect with totally. to people.
1: And at the same I was just having this kind of a conversation my brother and a friend and I went to this show from a band I don't want to call it the band but we went to the show from a band that we all loved in high school and this was unfortunately quite a time ago. And we're listening to the music and it has it resonates so hard because it brings up the feelings that you were feeling at that age. But like if I played those songs today for somebody they'd be like this is not a good song. And <laughs> And when you go to the show, it's all people our age, and it's all people who loved that stuff. And if they play the new songs, like, maybe some people are into it, but most people are like, oh, I just like that old stuff. And it's not like the new stuff's any worse than the old stuff. It's just it was the right artist at the right time for the right people, and so those songs resonate. And I think that's important to remember that, like, there is no perfect song to everybody. I mean, there's probably, like, pop music is trying to be that. Pop music aspires to be, you know, songs that the average person is gonna like but like your favorite song is gonna be different than anybody else's favorite song or most other people's favorite song and and that just comes because like you found that song at the right time in the right place for you and it was the right delivery of that song um, for sure yeah but yeah i think that's the beautiful thing about music like once you accept that like you know you don't have to chase perfection you're gonna finish a lot more songs so
0: so true So true. Well, right on, man. I I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here today and to talk about all this stuff. And, you know, I think anyone who's listening to this that is a songwriter, there's there's a lot of really important things that we covered here today that they should be able to take from this and, you know, start implementing. So uh, again, Chris, thank you for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me. Hopefully it wasn't too much rambling. (laughs) No, it's all good, man. (laughs) But I appreciate it.
0: So, that was my chat with Chris Lyon, and I really enjoyed learning more about his process of songwriting. And I love what he had to say about just getting songs done. And I think that that is the most important lesson. With any skill, in order to get better at something, you need to just do it and do it often. You know, every time you do something and you complete it, you will learn something from that experience. And I think whether it's engineering or songwriting or whatever it is, yeah, you definitely have to get those reps in to learn those experiences and get stronger and better, and to learn how to troubleshoot through various scenarios a lot easier, right? So, you know, if you're struggling with songwriting right now, maybe it's just a matter of pushing yourself to do it, you know, and don't expect great results. Don't put pressure on yourself for it, but just put boundaries on yourself to complete something by a certain amount of time and move on from it and then try it again and repeat that process over and over again. And I guarantee you that the more you do it, the stronger you're going to get. So I really enjoyed talking about all of that stuff there. And I love learning more about his insight into, you know, paying attention to musical trends and what's going on and you know the things that professional songwriters have to pay attention to because that's a really important thing if you actually want to make a living at this you do you do need to understand you know songwriting formulas and what trends are happening in the industry and all that kind of stuff if you want to have the greatest chances of success and even the conversation about building your network and potentially even using school as a place to build your network I think that's a really interesting topic as well. And certainly a great avenue to start. It's definitely a really expensive avenue if you're gonna to go to school to pursue that kind of thing. Um, but you definitely don't need school either. You can definitely just start implementing yourself in your local scene, going to shows, getting to know the people in the bands, all that kind of stuff. Just start up conversations. And the more you do that, the friendlier you are, and the more you connect with other people, the larger your network's gonna be and the faster you're gonna grow and create opportunities for yourself to. Spread the word about your skills and your talent as a writer or as an engineer or whatever. And that's ultimately how you're going to propel yourself forward with your career. So I love that Chris talked about all that stuff in today's episode. I really enjoyed that. And I hope that you did too. If you did, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way you're notified about all new episodes as they go live each and every Wednesday morning. And also, if you're the type of person who's Working on your craft when it comes to writing songs and recording them at home and trying to get professional sounding results. If you're trying to make your song sound as good as what you hear on the radio, but you're just not quite getting there, I would love to help you out with that. And inside of my coaching program, Amplitude, I work one on one with my students to help them take their mixes and get them to that next level. And inside of this program, you're going to get personalized, actionable feedback on your tracks in order to know what steps you should take as far as the mix goes. ...with things like EQ, compression, volume, automation, whatever it is to take your songs to that next level. We're going to cover all of that stuff so that you know specifically what to do with your tracks to get them to a level that you are totally happy with. And in addition to all the feedback, you get access to a ton of other great stuff inside, including access to all of my coaching programs. So you get specific trainings all about recording, editing, and mixing your music... Plus, you get access to mastering and a whole bunch more. So if you're interested in learning more about that, make sure to visit MasterYourMix.com forward slash Amplitude and you can find all the information on that website there. That said, we've reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for sticking around to the very end and I can't wait to chat with you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at MasterYourMix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.